I wonder sometimes if we forget where we came from. But Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says this, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. That's how we were before Christ. And when this letter was written by Paul to Titus, that's how people were at that time too. But one of the things we have to remember is that rebellion against God was popular then, and it's popular now too. And we need to use wisdom when we're dealing with people who are rebelling against God in any way. Welcome to Keep the Heart Podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker known for sharing biblical insights that are practical and inspiring. Now back to today's valuable study. Sometimes we need to remember that we had a time in our lives when we were also rebellious against God. Now, people who were saved as very young children, three, four, five years old, you don't have much of a track record in this area, though. You were still born a sinner. You just didn't have as many opportunities to make a bad, big mess of your life as those of us who were saved later. I wasn't saved until 19 years old, and there are many people listening to this podcast where your testimony is you were saved even later than that. We had opportunities not only to make mistakes, but to clearly rebel against Scripture. The rebellious do not view what they're doing as rebellion. The Scripture calls it that, but they would not call it that. And we need to understand how the mind of a person works when they're living in rebellion against God so that we can handle matters wisely. I'm going to give us five things to remember, verses that will help us when we're dealing with any form of rebellion against God. And we've got to be careful that we don't forget that this could easily be us. I certainly know that when God saved my soul, I was way out of bounds. There was a lot of work that had to go on in my life over the course of many decades, not just years, decades, in order for me to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we need a healthy amount of long-suffering, also known as patience, when we're dealing with people who are living in rebellion. But a first thing to remember is this. The rebellious often view the obedient people as the problem. Proverbs 29.27 tells us this when it says, An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. We end up on opposite teams by choice. If you're going to choose to walk with God, then you're going to choose the upright way. That's also the same as choosing to be in opposition to those who don't want to walk with God, and therefore you become an abomination to them just as they become an abomination to the just. Those of us who want to walk with God can't stand to see someone hurting themselves and others by choosing the opposite. Likewise, those who are not walking with God cannot tolerate being corrected or instructed or rebuked by people who are walking with God. Ungodly people don't want godly advice. Familiarize yourself with every verse you can read about the scorner. I'm not going to cover them here because there's another episode in the archives about not reproving a scorner, but it's a good idea to do a word study on that so that we'll understand the point of view of a rebellious person. 
While the person who's living in rebellion against God may treat us as the target, we have to understand that really we're representatives of the true target, which is God. The problem that a rebellious person has is not with us, it's with God. So we've got to be sure that we don't create problems with this person by saying too much or even getting in the way. The less we say, the better it will be. And we just have to understand that right now, for whatever reasons they've chosen to be in opposition to God. A second thing to understand is that rebellion does cause division. Now, we have already been warned about this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 35, and it was what Jesus was telling the disciples so that they would be prepared for what it was going to be like on earth at their time, and now it's even magnified. Listen to the passage. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This is a sad passage, but God was warning us that there would be division. He was warning the disciples and the people that were alive at that time in Matthew, but of course this carries forward to us today as well. There is a division that comes naturally when a person rebels against God. There's a setting against each other. It's very uncomfortable, and it could cause you sometimes to feel like your family is the only one going through this. Please don't believe that. You're not the only one going through it. Many, many families have loved ones that are not walking with God, and it has caused great division, and it has made family gatherings so hard, and there have been many moments of tears. I'm sure many people have had times when they just wish they could figure out how to erase the board and start all over again. But just understand this. The division is not permanent. God is not finished writing the story. So our job is to pray for those who are in this position where they're being divisive. And don't make it worse by trying to match wits or trying to have debates or trying to have a war of words. Just understand there's enough trouble in the picture already. And we don't have to make it worse. We can choose to turn this over to the Lord, knowing that we can trust him. Remember, people who are walking in disobedience to God don't really know him. So they're walking in ignorance. We don't want to model more ignorance by arguing with people. It's way better to save those words and go to the Lord in prayer. Number three in this list is related to number two, and that is that rebellion against God often causes strained family relationships. Matthew 10, 36 says, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now again, when Jesus was speaking in this passage, this was a different time and a different audience, but this is still happening today. And many of us have experienced it, haven't we? Strained family relationships are a side effect of the rebellion. But again, we've got to be very careful that we not try to make this all about us. Have you ever stopped to think about what it's like to live so far apart from God that you think that he and all of his people are the enemy? Can you imagine that? Every now and then I think we have to stop and think like the person who's trapped in the rebellion. First of all, it's an artificial trap because they don't have to stay in that spot. Secondly, it's a self-inflicted trap 
because no one goes into rebellion without choosing it. But we have to be careful that we don't allow the strained family relationships to become the focal point. You know what we have to do? We have to go on. Now, that means that there may be some family gatherings where there's people that are missing, and it'll hurt. But let's not wear that hurt like a funeral shroud. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, the scripture says, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Let's not stay brokenhearted. It's bad for us. It's bad for our health. And it's bad for our loved ones. Not everyone is in rebellion. So let's not forget about those who are really just walking fine. And let's go ahead and focus on the good while God takes care of those strained relationships. You know that God can restore what the locusts have eaten. It says so in the book of Joel. A fourth thing to remember when we're dealing with rebellion against God is this. We will be faced with hard choices. Matthew 10 in verses 34 all the way down to 39, that is a really tremendously hard passage to read, and yet it's extremely essential for understanding how to navigate life when you're living with people or dealing with people close to you who are in rebellion against God. We have to remember that this is not something new. There is no new thing under the sun. Matthew 10.37 says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That is such a strong statement, and it's a very hard one to bear. But it's a good one to remember when you're contemplating, well, should I bend my rules and make things easier for the person living in rebellion? That depends. If what you're going to bend is not a scriptural principle, and you find that you can, with a clear conscience, be flexible, then go ahead and be flexible. But if we're talking about a principle of scripture, then we are going to follow God, not man. That goes all the way back to the earlier passage where it says, I came not to send peace, but a sword. God knew that we would have these difficulties. He knew there'd be these divisions, these variances, that one would pit against the other. He saw this coming, and he warned us. And so we want to be very careful that we don't turn a hard choice into a bad decision. There are some non-negotiables in life, and disobeying Scripture is one of those non-negotiables. So if you're faced with a choice to do something that is actually against the Word of God, don't do it. Choose to follow God. You're saying, I love you, in a far greater way by walking with God consistently than you ever would be giving in to a person who's pressuring you to do something they want you to do so that you'll fit in with the culture. This is going to become more and more of an issue as time goes on and as the culture keeps moving all the landmarks and redefining everything that God already defined. Be very careful. Don't sacrifice your obedience to God on the altar of loving someone else. That means that you are making God the smaller person, and you're making people very, very big. We don't want to do that. And finally, number five, when people are rebelling against God, this is a cross we have to bear in our Christian lives. Scripture says this in Matthew 10, verses 38 to 39, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, 
and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I wonder what the disciples were walking through at the time that this was written, and I wonder what the people in that time were facing, because I know what we're facing now, and I know what the pressures are of our culture, but I wonder what theirs were. Whatever it was, it was enough that Jesus had to warn them, you better take up your cross and follow me. And if you're not going to do that, you're not worthy of me. That's a warning for us too. Let's not join the rebellious in the rebellion by trying to make sure that we're appeasing them at the expense of pleasing God. We really have to be so careful in times like these because rebellion is popular and fitting in is still popular as well. And don't think for a second that just because we're born again, we're not subject to peer pressure. There will be times when we feel a great deal of pressure, especially from people we love. And you know what threatens us greatly? We hate the thought of having anything interfere with the health of our relationships. So we think, okay, if I have to just bend on this one thing, I just don't want to lose a relationship. You know what that really is saying? It's saying, God, I don't trust you to be able to protect my relationships, so I'm going to disobey you in order to protect it myself. That's unwise. And it can't bear the fruit you're looking for. Here's a few things to remember as we're closing. First of all, we're not the first to go through something like this. Having people in the family who are rebelling against God is definitely as old as the Old Testament. So what can we do? We can ask God to plead our cause. We can pray and ask God to pray on our behalf. Psalm 35 verse 1 is where you find that request to plead our cause. Also understand the mind of a Pharisee. A Pharisee thinks they are right when they're wrong. A rebellious person is nothing more, nothing less than a different version of a Pharisee. So pray for their eyes to be opened and their understanding to be opened as well. It's also wise for us to pray for salvation for those who are living in rebellion against God. Many people profess that they're believers, but their lives say other things. It's a good idea to pray for salvation, and if they are saved, we're praying for their reconciliation with God. And finally, be Christ-like no matter what. We want to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We don't want to be the kind of people who are brutal and harsh and constantly critical and picking at a person. That will not drive rebellion away. That will just drive the person away. Be very, very careful. Remember that we ourselves were sometimes foolish? Do you remember a time when you were disobedient? If you can't, God can. Here's a great closing verse for us to remember when we're trying to help loved ones who are walking against God's word. We don't want to make things worse. We really do intend to help. Matthew 10:16 says this, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You've been listening to Keep the Heart with Francie Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast and follow Keep the Heart on Instagram. Visit the shop at keeptheheart.com for Bible studies, books, and more, along with Francie's conference event calendar. Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.